Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host, Mick Polak. Nick, it's that week. It is that week, and I'm sitting here with a nice tall glass of water and a mug full of Apple Jacks, and my mom did not make get this little meal set up for me. I did it all myself. I was able to come out of the basement to do that, but I am ready. Nick, you're a big boy, and I'm very proud of you. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a uh, Trader Joe's sparkling grapefruit, and it's time. It's It's been a year since Penn State and Pitt last played. It's been a very weird year for both teams. Uh, Penn State, I mean, by the time the clocks hit zero, there the emotions on the 42-39 win that Pitt had last year was everything from you know, we're proud of the fight that Penn State had to, oh my God, how can you lose to Pitt? That's 100% unacceptable, this, that, and the third. And then after that, Penn State ended up turning into a juggernaut, you know, a team that makes the Rose Bowl. And then Pitt turned into, it, it hurts to say this, one of the most entertaining teams in all of college football. In addition to being Penn State, they beat Clemson. They just had this dynamic offense. They were in a bunch of just really silly games. They played a game against Syracuse that ended like 70-55. to 55. But now that's that's in the past. And as were the week one matchups, Penn State whooping up on Akron. Uh, Pitt struggling with Youngstown State. We'll talk about that a little bit. And it's here. We're at Pitt week. We're at the biggest week of the year for Penn State football that doesn't involve Ohio State and probably Michigan. Yeah. And it's going to be huge. It's huge. 3.30 kick on ABC. Nick, I think to start, we have to address something that is always out there and is amplified this week, and that is whether Pitt and Penn State are rivals. I mean, last year before the game, I did a little 15, 20-minute podcast with our my man Martin Rickman from Uprock Sports. He said yes. I tend to agree with him. I want to know your thoughts. Like, is this a rivalry? First of all, I think this is arguing over whether something's a rivalry or not is so dumb and so trivial. And it's usually uh, a side, like, usually when you say, are, are arguing over whether something is a rivalry, it is is a rivalry like that's yeah yeah like there's a different there's a difference between say like akron fans being like oh penn state's our rivals like that's obviously not true but i mean but i mean for them maybe it is true i mean they've we've played them enough times recently that perhaps that is their thought i don't i don't think a rivalry has to be like one team can view something as a rivalry and the other team doesn't have to. I, I grew up I grew up grew up as a Seattle Mariners fan. The Seattle Mariners only real distinct rival is the are the Padres. And nobody on either side cares about it. But if you're asking me, the Yankees are absolutely the Mariners rivals. They trade players all the time. They have a lot of history together with ninety five and oh one and but if you ask a Yankee fan, Yankees don't care about the Mariners, but that doesn't diminish the rivalry in my eyes as a Mariners fan. I don't think it has to always be a two-sided thing. I think it's okay for one side to think of something as a rivalry and for the other side not to. But in this case, I, you Penn State fans can argue it as much as they want. I don't know how you can say this is not a rivalry. There's so much history behind it. They share a state. I don't care if they haven't played in how many in however many years uh, leading up to last year. I don't care what the 
history of the series is. I don't care how Penn State fans how Penn State fans view Pitt and the university itself. It's that doesn't make it not a rivalry. Yeah, I mean, these two teams have played ninety seven times against one another. Uh, Penn State leads the series. It's important to mention that even if Pitt has won the last two, they praise be to Sam Ficken ninety seven. Praise be to Sam Ficken. There, there's so much bad blood between the school and its fans. Uh, it, it's happened more recently with younger fans. I'm dating back. I think you can see the bad blood between fans who grew up during the heyday of Penn State against Pitt. There was the 48 to 14 game uh, in 1981. There was the year where Penn, I mean, the following year where Penn State beat them en route to a national title. From 1989 to 1999, whenever they would play Penn State one, and then Pitt won the last, of course, won the last two matchups. There's bad blood there. There's bad blood in recruiting. I mean, when Penn State wants to go into Pittsburgh and get a kid, they are going after someone who Pitt legitimately believes they, like, that's their hometown kid. They need to be able to go in there and get them. And the fact that anyone would come in and try and stomp on them for them is not cool. Penn State does that more than anyone. There's bad blood there. When you look just in the media and the way they're approaching it, Pat Narduzzi is not letting his players talk to the media because he wants them to have this mentality that it is a big game, that it's an important game, and they have to be hyper-focused on making sure they can go out to win that. Pat Narduzzi is an incredibly weird dude. Don't get me wrong on that. But this is the mentality that they have. And I think if you look go into Penn State's locker room, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bad taste in how last year's game ended. There's a sense that Pitt has spent the last year talking when Penn State has done more winning, and I think Penn State wants to shut that up. There are just so many elements and aspects here that makes me believe that like this is the only way you could view it. Yes, if you want to say the little brother thing with Pitt, Go ahead and say the little brother thing, if anything, or straight thing in the case that these two schools are rivals to some extent. It's And there there's yeah. still rivalries between big and little brothers. Like Michigan you can say Michigan brother, State. It doesn't mean it's not a rivalry. And you can't tell me that Trace McSorley isn't sitting in that locker room or wherever he is right now, think not thinking about that interception on the last play. You yeah, can't tell it, me he's not it, doing it. Ex- exactly. Like I bet it like there are moments that just stick with dudes, I would not be surprised if that moment stuck with Trace McSorley. And it, I'm sure it stuck with him in good ways. It, I think the throw that ended up getting an interception at the end of the game kind of taught him about, you know, I should make more calculated risks. I When I throw it, I should make sure I'm putting it in a place where a guy got... I'm sure he grew as a player from that. And, you know, if that's a takeaway from it, awesome. Like, he deserves to be applauded for that. But, and I'm not going to know because I didn't ask him this, this is 100% speculation, but it seems like this is the kind of thing, and he's the kind of competitor where this is something that sticks with him. And I'm sure it sticks with Deshaun Hamilton. You know, he dropped the pass, and I'm sure that's something that has foc- helped him get focused, helped him get motivated, and is going to help him get up for this game. The chatter, all these things, it's a rivalry. It's fine to admit that. 
And if again, if you want to be condescending towards Pitt fans, go ahead and be condescending towards Pitt fans. Look at RLR's Twitter feed. We are literally condescending to Pitt fans all the time. I am blocked by the University of Pittsburgh's football team because I was condescending to it. This stuff happens. It's the best a- part of rivalries is being condescending. Exactly. The best part is being childish. Exactly. Before they play Michigan, Ohio State crosses off every M on the campus. That's it's the ridiculous. most childish thing Ohio that Governor, ever happens. Ohio Governor John Kasich, you know, governor went to Ohio State, all these things. He literally will cross off the letter M in things that he writes, official documents that he writes. For the Ohio State and Michigan week. That is really stupid. But it's also something that sports does to us. And I'm excited. I'm excited for Pitt to come here. I'm excited, uh, hopefully, hopefully, to give their fans good-natured hell. And I hope they're able to give it back because that's what we do in sports. And I hope it leads to Penn State winning. Uh, But before we get into that, Nick, I want to get to something that I read on a little website called Cardiac Hill. Uh, well, real, real quick, real quick, before ahead. you do that, uh, the, I, just the last thing, if like, if you don't want to treat the, if you don't consider this a rivalry, I mean, we're, it's not like we're going to change your mind right here. We're not. Right, and, and but, we're also, I, I do want to make it clear, if you want to go into this game with the mentality that Penn State and Pitt are not rivals, are never going to be rivals, that's fine. Nick and I just have a very basic disagreement with you on this yeah but like this series has was dormant for what 20 years and it's it's back for it was back for last year it's back for this year and it's back for the two years after that and then who knows when the next time they're even gonna play again is like this i i think if anything so far what this little mini series has shown penn state is that there's no reason for them to schedule pit it doesn't i was about to ask you that yeah it's it just doesn't yeah especially in the college football playoff era pit just isn't consistently hasn't been and penn state hasn't been either haven't been consistently good enough where a win over pit really means a whole lot when you're looking at resume at the end of the year i mean look look who they have coming up in the future years they have virginia tech they have auburn they have um there's that rumored uh, lsu game Rumored LSU game. There's somebody else who I'm forgetting too, but they like they're scheduling these West big Virginia, names. And playing West Virginia. West Virginia, and they want to go places. Non-conference games. You want to play teams you don't get a chance to play. You want to go places you don't get a chance to go. So why play a game that's two and a half hours west of your stadium? Plus, go. there's plus there's the whole like you don't want like if Penn State beats Pitt at least with you know I Pitt at least in its current state is simply just like at a point where i thought you were about to say pit in its current state is no. not a rival no 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 <laughs> uh, oh see, lord listen, i i the, the person who wrote that post is like a little brother to me i'm allowed to make that joke um <laughs> i hope he does not get mad and if he does get mad mike i love you but i mean when you look at pit right now they're not consistently like you said at the point where the expectation right now, and probably for the next couple of years, is Penn State will beat Pitt every time they play. That's the expectation because of where Penn State is and where Pitt is. Over the next 5, 10, 15 years, I don't know how that's going to change, obviously, but I think as long as this uh, current series is going on, that's going to be the case. 
But going past that, let's say that dynamic kind of stays in place. Either one of two things will happen by Penn State beating Pitt. One, Penn State, I mean Penn State playing Pitt. One, Penn State wins and does what it's supposed to do. Cool. Two, Penn State loses. It's a big deal. I mean, we heard rumors and we heard rumblings after the Penn State Pitt game last year that there were some recruits who were kind of looking between the two. I won't name any names, but that caught their eye. And that was something that made them say, oh, maybe Pitt's at a certain point where that intrigues me. And that gives Pitt a little bit more momentum on the recruiting trail, on the field, uh, just with the general state of their program. Considering what the trade-off is, like that just doesn't seem to make sense to me. I'm fine with this being a dormant series. I mean, I think it's good when Penn State plays Pitt because I think that's a really, really good thing for the sport, for these very nasty, very gross rivalry matchups to take place. But if Penn State doesn't want to schedule them, I'm going to sit here and say that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, it's playing Pitt, they're, as a program and as a history, obviously they have they are a large step ahead of Temple. But it's kind of the same argument. Yeah, yeah, I think I get that. I, I again, I think that's not quite the. I get what you're saying. I mean, Pitts, of course, a little bit ahead of where Temple is. Temple's historically not that great, but yeah, whatever. I want to move on uh, to one more thing: uh, the aforementioned thing on uh, Cardiac Hill. Juwan Johnson said that Pitt is just another game. Uh, His exact quote was, it's just game number two. We have to treat it as one game. It's just another game for us. Um, Looking at what uh, Cardiac Hill uh, wrote, I'm trying to see. I don't particularly buy it, and I'm guessing that anyone with a nickel's worth of sense doesn't either. Do you agree with that assessment that we shouldn't buy the it's just another game talk from Penn State? I agree with I agree with it in the sense that I think that's what the coaching staff wants them to think. And I think that in an ideal world, that's what they would all think. I also acknowledge that they're not these guys aren't stupid. They know what they know what this game is. They know how important a win is here. They understand that this is. Maybe not to them a rivalry because these kids are even younger than you and I, but they it doesn't mean that they don't understand what Penn State Pitt is. Like it's not like they don't want to win the game, but good teams and really every team, you don't want to put more stock into one game than another, really. You want to stay level because football is such an emotionally driven game that if you overhype yourself, if you put too much into that first drive, then it can take too much out of you. It can lead you to be over-aggressive and make mistakes. So ideally, you don't want any game to really be different. Like, it's okay to understand, all right, we're going to have to reach back for an extra gear for this one, but you don't necessarily want to want there to be that big of a variance from opponent to opponent. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I get the mindset of treat it as another game, uh, don't try and get too fired up for it because if you get too fired up for it, uh, you run the risk of running flat later in the game. You know, I think John Wooden once said, for every peak there's a valley. So if you go out and you're on fire, that's just not something you can sustain. 
And then every little bit of momentum, it feels like a pretty big, that goes to the other team, feels like a pretty big loss. Staying level, staying focused, all these things are good. Uh, I do, I don't think that Penn State players are going out and saying one game at a time, one game at a time, one game at a time, and not believing it uh, to some extent. I, I definitely think that there's, like, like we said, Trace McSorley is a good example. I'm sure he wants to go out and he wants to correct, uh, you know, he's thought about the interception he threw at the end of the game last year, and he wants to go out and he wants to do his best to make that right. Uh, just stuff like that, I think, is fair. And I again, I think that the players are going to be able to, are going to want to go, let's go out there, let's... Uh, Let's try and make a statement. I think the fact that Pitt is the best team on their non-conference schedule is another thing that we probably should should consider. I mean, if you want to go out and make a case for being in the college football playoff at the end of the year and you don't have a great non-conference schedule, you have to pick out the best game in your non-conference and win that. And of course, like we said, there's the emotional factor. There's the history between these two things. I think they're probably a little more fired up and a little more ready to win this game and determined to go out and win this game than usual. But I also don't think that, you know, I don't think after Jawan Johnson gave that quote to the media, he like went into a dark room and played Pitt's fight song and like, I don't know, stared at a disco ball and just seethed or anything like that. I mean, what the hell? Like, I, I, I don't know. I've, Whenever I go into a dark place, I usually don't do any of that. But hey, different strokes for different folks, you know. I, like, yeah, I, I sure. I yeah, I just can't fathom that Penn State is saying one thing and then doing the complete opposite when it comes to how it's approaching this game. But I do think there's probably some bad blood and some uh, emotional um, emotional fire there that maybe wouldn't be there for another game for a bevy of reasons, including the fact that again. Pitts, Pitts the team. Uh, let's talk about this game. Let's start by answering a very simple question. Last week, Penn State looked really good. Uh, took it to Akron, which they're Akron. They're expected to take it to Akron. But on the other side of the coin, Pitt played Youngstown State. That game ended 28-21. to It needed to go to overtime. And if I remember correctly, Youngstown State was driving toward the end. Pitt did not score in the second half, which, not great. Uh, Youngstown State was able to move the ball through the air on Pitt. 311 passing yards with a pair of touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, should Penn State fans be worried about this game? Because I think that they're... Let me change that. I wouldn't be surprised if there are Penn State fans who, after last year's game, are maybe a little bit uncertain about how confident they should be that the Nittany Lions are going to pick up the win. But do you think Penn State fans should be confident in this one? I think they should be tentatively confident. So, I... Last week, I shared my one my one rule of betting, which is never bet week one on college football. My second rule of betting is never bet rivalry games because weird stuff happens. And though, yes, this is not a widely – it's not a rivalry accepted by all. But this is still 
when there's a game with this much emotion and this much bad blood and, and just this many things outside of it, it's not it's not just a game. There's so many storylines going into this game. Whenever there's all that extra noise, weird things just tend to happen. And I don't think that weird things will happen to the point where Penn State will lose. I still feel pretty, pretty confident about Penn State winning this game. But I don't think that fans should be in a state of just complete 100% confidence about what the outcome is going to be. Because I think that's both underselling Pitt, and I think that's underselling what this means to players on both sides. Yeah, and I I do think that last year Penn State fans might have been, uh, I don't want to say a little overconfident. I mean, I blame Matt. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm always up for blaming Matt. So let's blame him. every every time we said something about Pitt. Matt always responded, "We are not losing to Pitt." Oh, so. oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So blame Matt. So Matt, it's your fault. But yeah, I mean, I th- I wouldn't be s- surprised if there are some Penn State fans who might have felt a little overconfident last year, who this year are now a little bit timid. I think you can feel pretty good about this game generally. Um, the thing with Pitt is that it is not a very experienced team. They return 10 starters, which is tied for 114th in FBS coming into this season. Six on offense, which whatever. Four on defense, which is huge, I think. The fact that Pitt, it loses so many guys from last year's team, and that doesn't even consider the fact that Jordan Whitehead, their best defensive player, is not going to be able to play in this game because of a suspension, is huge. And I think when you're asking, I agree with you on rivalry games, Nick, but I also think that when you're asking a young fo- football team, especially a young defense, to go into a hostile place to play against a really good team that knows what it's doing, I think that's that can be a recipe for disaster. So when I'm looking at this game, I find it kind of hard to... I I see a path for Pitt to win, but I think it's kind of hard for them to get there. What do you think Pitt needs to do to win this game? They need to somehow play lights-out defense against an offense that is really, really high-powered, which I don't really see how that's a possibility. Um, I think they would need a... Either two kick return touchdowns from Quadri Henderson or a kick return touchdown and then another one like deep into Penn State territory so they could convert um, on a short field. But I I mean, I don't think Pitt's offense Pitt's offense can't keep up with Penn State's and I don't think their defense can slow them down. So really the only thing left is to hope for some magic in the special teams. Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing that I trust, it's that Narduzzi, for how much I dislike him, is going to put together some kind of a defensive game plan that is very aggressive, that tries to force Penn State into making mistakes. And that's why I think you win in a game like this. You have to create... Like, these games where you are the underdog, you need a lot of luck to win. You need a lot of luck to be in a position to win. And I think you need to create your own luck. For Pitt, that means taking care of the football. That means controlling the amount of time they have with the football. I think a big thing that Pitt needs to do 
is if they could win the time of possession by a wide margin, I think it's great for them. They have to keep the ball out of Penn State's hands. And when Penn State has the ball, they need to pressure. They need to, I almost want to say they need to take risks on defense and hope that, you know, you're able to get a strip sack or two on Trace McSorley, or you're able to force the ball out of Saquon Barkley or one of the backup running back's hands, or you're able to force McSorley into making a throw that you want him to make because then you can go there and pick that ball off. I don't know if they can do this, but I, I would be very surprised if they don't try to do it. And then also, like you said, I think special teams are huge. I think Penn State, uh, Pitt's best opportunity to score points involves putting the ball in the hands of Quadre Henderson. They'll do that in a variety of ways on offense. We saw that on last year's game when Henderson jet sweep Penn State to death. But we'll also see that on special teams when Penn State's kicking off to him. I wouldn't be surprised if on punts if if Blake Killigan gets out there to punt, because we saw last week that might be a bit hairy. He's told just kick it out of bounds. Do not let him touch the ball. On kickoffs, if Tyler Davis is able to find a little extra juice in his leg and hopefully boot it really far into the end zone. Or just keep hitting that corner like he did like five times against Akron. Or Yeah, just do stuff like that and take the return game out of it. If you can take the return game out of this game, if you don't make the mistakes that Pitt wants you to make and you can hold on to the football, I think this has the potential to get ugly for Pitt. Going on to the other side of things, what Penn State needs to do to win, I think this is very easy. Uh, but I want you to be able to take the words out of my mouth. So go ahead, Nick. Basically, they just need to keep doing what they were doing against Akron. Just quick, smart passes, keep the defense off balance, switch it up between McSorley runs and play-action passes and Barkley runs and wheel routes and all that good stuff. Just keep showing your versatility as an offense, keep being unpredictable, and defensively, they were fast last week. Yeah, just keeps, yeah. just keep swarming. Just keep attacking the ball. Keep attacking the ball carrier. Just don't let up. I mean, what they did last week was an ideal game plan, and it's not going to work as flawlessly against teams better than Akron. But it's a that doesn't mean it's not a good game plan. It doesn't mean it's not a good place to start. And against Pitt, that kind of seems like that's exactly what they want to do. They don't need to force anything deep. Pitt's pass defense isn't nearly good enough to really stop what Penn State's going to try to do. So just, I mean, just take what's there. The best part of this offense is that there's three options on every single play. You can throw the ball, McSorley can run the ball easily, or Barkley can run the ball easily. Not every team can say that. And if, as long as they just keep those three options open, McSorley's shown that he's really, really getting really good at reading defenses and getting really good at reading the flow of the play. So just let him do his thing, and Penn State should be fine. Yeah, I, I, so my favorite thing about this game has nothing to do with Penn State, and it doesn't have too terribly much to do with any aspect of Pitt other than its passing defense. Last year, Pitt's ability to stop teams from throwing the ball was and and it's being generous saying this was really bad again Jordan Whitehead's out they're they're going they're lacking in their secondary and that is hilarious because after this game they host Oklahoma State and the two most oh, fun God, teams, I forgot about that and the two most fun teams 
in terms of saying, screw it, we're going to chuck the ball, are Penn State and Oklahoma State. I would not be surprised if if Penn State just lights them up this week and then next week Oklahoma State just builds on that. I think we saw uh, Joe Moorhead, when he said said on that first drive, like, we got some other stuff other than Saquon. When he said that against Akron, he went... Trace McSorley uh, work his magic, uh, you know, up until uh, the defender for Akron, whose name I never took the time to learn. Uh, sorry to that one Akron message board poster who gets mad at us for not knowing everything about Akron. Zips outsider. Zips outsider, my man. Uh, when he was having McSorley throw it, it was like, okay, so this is the other, the quote unquote other dimension of our offense, our quote unquote other Heisman candidate. I would not be surprised if we see a lot of Saquon Barkley early and often just to establish that tempo, really try, you know, these five, six, seven yard runs that all that culminate in first downs after you keep doing them and just really try and grind pit down early on because the big, th- my, your big thing with uh, rivalry games is don't bet on them. My big thing in rivalry games is you do not, if you're the better team, you do not let the worst team hang around. If you let the worst team hang around, the quote-unquote worst team hang around, if it's like going to the fourth quarter like 35-28 or something like that, that fourth quarter is going to get really weird really quickly. I think from the beginning, Penn State has to establish themselves and has to keep Pitt as arm's length just so Pitt doesn't get to the point where they feel like they can win this game. And I think Penn State's going to be able to go out and do that. I'm picking Penn State. I think it wins this game. Something like a score of like, I'll go 42 to 20. I'm going to go with something a little bit crazy and something a little bit out there. I think Penn State's able to cover the 20 and a half point spread. Is that a little optimistic? Yeah, but guess what? It's a rivalry game. I'm going to try and make sure that Pitt leaves this game as unhappy as possible. 42-20 Penn State. Nick, what do you think? Um, for my prediction for the guest Penn Live post I did, I said Penn State 48, Pitt 14, and I'm going to stick to that. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. All right. I'm, I'm feeling it. What? So do you think uh, – do you think Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley play the entire game? Mm, I I think I think they get three full quarters. I think I think when they leave the game, it's something like thirty-eight to seven, and then I think the the backups get a good majority of the fourth quarter, and Pitt scores one more touchdown on the second team defense. You don't you don't think Penn State tries to keep its foot on the gas the entire game? I. <laughs> I know I wrote something similar to that in the Penn Live prediction I did, but um, I, as much as Franklin might want to, I I don't I don't know. He just doesn't seem like the kind of coach who's gonna keep starters in to the point. Like I don't I don't see him keeping starters in with like sixty points on the board unless the other team is obviously playing hand in hand with them. But I I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah, so uh, the big takeaway from uh, Nick's prediction, read PenLive, especially its comment section. <laughs> so I think it's time to talk Big Ten to Ugh. look at this week's... No, it's okay, because the first 
team we're talking about is Purdue. Uh, they yes. play on Friday night. Are you coming up this weekend? Yes, I am. Oh, we'll, we'll have to find a place to watch this because Purdue and Ohio on FS1. Jeff Brom making his debut in West Lafayette. Uh, there was a really good point on podcast Ain't Played Nobody this week uh, where I want to say it was Bill Conway. He referenced what he had said about Pitt. Uh, not Pitt. <clears throat> sorry, Purdue. What he said about Purdue earlier in the week when he pointed out the fact that Purdue... When they, when everything's working, it's going to work real good. When everything's not working, it's going to be real, real bad. And he said that Ohio, a Frank Solich coach team, is the kind of team that can make you pay for when you're not on your game. Uh, I still think Purdue wins this. I think Purdue scores 500 points, and I think it's a delightfully wacky football game where Purdue scores a whole bunch, and Ohio is able to go hand-in-hand with them, and it's a little too close for comfort in West Lafayette. Purdue, 72, Ohio, 56. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, In games that won't end with the score anything close to that, we're getting into the Saturday slate now. Noon kick, ABC from Ann Arbor. The mighty Cincinnati Bearcats travel to Michigan. Luke Fickle going against Michigan. I'm sure Jim Harbaugh will not try to crush a former Ohio State coach. Michigan's favored by 34 points, and the over-under is only 49. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Um, wow. For comparison, Penn State's favored by 22, and the over-under is 66.5. Yeah, I'm trying to like reconcile this. 34 and you said 49, was it? 34 and 49, yeah. Yeah, okay. Wow. Um so they're expecting it to end like 35-14 for it to... Which, to like, push. is a totally normal score. It's just odd to see. And Well, the thing is, like, like do you trust that Cincinnati can score on Michigan? Because I sure as hell don't. Probably not, no. Yeah, so uh, that's that's weird. That's weird. And, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to not watch this game. I'm also... What I... I'm a little more conflicted on is uh, Wisconsin BTN. Yep, my Kishikins is going to Madison, and um, I'm. Here's the thing: I don't know what Lane Kiffin is going to do, but I know it's not going to work, and I know it's going to be really funny while it doesn't work. Wisconsin, this is going to be another one of those games that Wisconsin wins like 55 to three or something, Um, and it's going to be funny. It's going to be really I, I saw a especially quote. because Wayne Kiffin's reaction shots are going to be incredible. I saw a quote after last week. It was a Lane Kiffin quote. It was something along the lines of, uh, this, is, this game was not the result we had hoped for. Really, you lost. Of course it wasn't the result you hoped for. What it was, was, just, it what, was one of the who, most ridiculous who did, quotes. Who did they play and what was the score? They played. I don't remember offhand. I'll have to check. They played. Oh, 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 oh they played Navy. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they got, Forty-two to nineteen. Yeah, yeah. They got Navy to death. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you looking at the ticket prices for games? Yeah. Should I not be? Uh, we were about to play the prices right from Northwestern. All right. I'll t- I'll turn it off. Did Here, you see good. what the tickets is? Tickets are. Um, I saw what the tickets is. I think. Um, I actually, I already forgot. My short-term memory is not very good. 
Okay, Northwestern at Duke, Wallace Wade Stadium, noon kick on watch ESPN and ESPNU. Nick, there are 713 tickets available. What is the cheapest going for? Mm. 19. 19. You are off by $17. They're going for $2. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember? Insert SeatGeek ad here. Yeah, I remember when Duke was like, oh, Jesus, God, SeatGeek. Remember when Duke was like fun, how much, how weird that was to watch? And now that you can get $2 to watch them play a Big Ten team, so. Remember when Duke um, tackled or quote-unquote tackled Miami like four times on their kick return? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. got called, and then Duke lost the next like five games they played. Yeah, 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 yeah. They also, if I remember correctly, they took it to Johnny Football in uh, the Johnny's not going to be here past this game bowl. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, let's move on to uh, the most important game of the weekend. El Asico between Iowa and Iowa State. Arriba! This is El Asico. Uh, kicks off at noon ESPN2 in Ames. Uh, I'm, so Iowa State's one of those teams I like. Solely because Alan Lazard, baby. Yeah, I Alan Lazard is awesome. I really, really like Matt Campbell. I think he's a really good football coach, and I think his big thing is he's good at developing quarterbacks. And Jacob Park might be a pretty decent quarterback. I mean, he played pretty well against Northern Iowa last week. And when you have a guy like Alan Lazard, it's pretty easy. On the other side, Iowa that defense really stifled. Uh, future Mitch Leidner, Josh Allen, last week, and it their offense was able to get just they were I don't want to say just enough though they did more than enough but they had a pretty nice game so it is weird to think that El Asico might be a good football game but what do you think Nick? Um, I think it's a rivalry so yes. nothing we know matters but. I, I, I don't know. It, it's an interesting matchup. It's probably the most interesting addition of this game in a while. I'm looking at the line. Uh, Iowa is favored by anywhere between one to two and a half points. So this game might get weird. And I'm very much here for it. This might be the game I watch for head up to the Penn State game. Uh, going on during this time, same time as the Penn State game in Charlottesville, Virginia, Indiana at UVA, three thirty ESPNU. Do you think Indiana is in for a letdown? Um, I don't think so. I think they'll be. Uh, no, I don't know. That's tough. I, from our perspective, it's easy to see what Indiana had to take away from that Ohio State game. Because they really did play really well for most of the game. Yeah, it's easy from our perspective, but it's pro- it's not e- it's not as easy for them, especially considering how many times they've played that exact game against Ohio State and still come out as losers. So, yeah, actually, I. But Virginia's not good, though. Yeah, I I, I think, think I think Indiana. I think Indiana. And I think blah, blah, blah. I think they'll be fine. I think Virginia's hope in this game stems from the fact that Bronco Mendenhall is able to make games really gross. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and they they try to make this game ugly and they succeed to some extent. But yeah, I think 
Dickie Legal and Simi Cobbs and the passing attack of Indiana is eventually going to get the job done against Virginia. Uh, here's a game that's actually kind of interesting, especially after what happened oh, last wait, week. Oh, wait, ticket prices, ticket prices. Ticket prices. Uh, what do you think? There are 1,334 <laughs> tickets available. Hmm. 22. 11. Damn. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we have uh, two more games where we're going to play this game, so don't worry about it. Next right. up, a game that actually might be kind of interesting. Uh, Western Michigan at Michigan State, 330 kick East Lansing on Big Ten Network. Last week, Western Michigan legitimately took it to USC for three quarters. Sam Darnold did not look good. That could just be, you know, he had some nerves. Uh, first game of what? A lot of people think it's going to culminate in a Heisman season against a team that, you know, they lost their head coach, but they were still really good last year. They were still really well coached last year. Then there's Michigan State, which has, I mean, our line about Michigan State on our earlier podcast this week was it w- they just needed to get a win after how this offseason went. I would not be surprised if their offseason catches up to them this week. And the fact that they just lost so much talent cost them uh, a chance to pick up a win against a Western Michigan team that, no offense to Bowling Green, is better than Bowling Green. But I think this has the potential to be a pretty interesting game. Yeah, I. my feeling on Michigan State is that I definitely, definitely, definitely need to see more of them before I'm willing to say that they're much better than last year's team. Week one was definitely a step in the right direction, but Brian Lewerke also threw, what, 15 passes? So like that. Until I really see them in a situation where they are where they have to get out of their comfort zone, where they don't get to just run the ball 60 times, then I think I'm, I'm just not confident in saying really anything about Michigan State, but I did see Western Michigan play some pretty damn impressive football yeah. against USC yeah. for a while. So I, I'm picking Western Michigan. So uh, here's the fun thing about Michigan State. The big thing that I remember people saying about their schedule last year was the thing that because remember, last year everyone expected Michigan State to be really good. Then of course the wheels came off, they end up going three and nine, whatever. Last year, everyone said the thing about Michigan State was their bye was week two, and then they had to go 11 straight weeks of playing football. Yep. After this week's game, after week two is their bye. Their bye is week three this year, and then their schedule is Notre Dame, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Indiana, Northwestern, Penn State, Ohio State, Maryland, Rutgers. From Northwestern down to Maryland... And then maybe Rutgers. I don't know. They are playing nothing but teams that are going to beat them up. So I'm with you. I think this is going to be... I I think this Western Michigan game is a really important one for Michigan State. I think they almost have to win it. And they have to show that they're going to be fine. I'm just a little bit skeptical about what whether they'll be able to do that, at which case a potentially very weird season could happen in East Lansing. Uh, speaking of very weird, also a 3.30 kick, also on BTN, coming to you live from High Point Solutions Stadium in Piscataway, New Jersey, Rutgers host Eastern Michigan. Um, I don't care about this game, and I don't want to talk about it, Nick. 
Uh, I think Rutgers wins. Sure. Uh, Price is right on the tickets. What do you think? 953 mm. available. What time does the game start? 330. Mm. 18? 8. Oh, come you're, on. You're, I'm like $10 off on all of them. You're giving fans way more credit than... Well, that's that's less than 1,000 tickets. Yeah. I don't know. Well, High Point Solution only seats like 40,000 or something like that. I don't remember the yeah, exact I think number. Four, but I think it's 40,000. I remember one uh, Rutgers writer got really mad when uh, either Brandon Bell or Bill Belton pointed out that Beaver Stadium can hold more people than High Point Solution Stadium in 2014. It was very weird. Uh, how many? How much okay. do the hot tub tickets cost? Though? There are, I don't think there are any hot tubs this week. Or were they I thought they were doing that all year. I thought it was just something to like – because I thought the uh, Washington game was just like a celebrate Jersey night. I could oh, be wrong. This, I, I will double-check this, but I think that's the case. Uh, next up, a game that could actually be kind of interesting, 4.30 p.m. kick on Fox from Eugene, Oregon. Oregon is playing host to Nebraska. Nope, not interesting. Oregon's o- going to roll. Oregon, yeah, Oregon looked really good last week against a team uh, that I'm trying to figure out what it is because I don't know what their abbreviation is. Uh, Southern Utah, they won 77-21. to 21. Nebraska wasn't quite able to get the job done against Arkansas State. Yeah, I mean, I I think Oregon probably rolls, but if Nebraska, if that was just some first-week jitters and they're able to get over them and, you know, Tanner Lee's better than people think and Trey Bryant is pretty good and the defense is able to be uh, coached up by Bob Diaco, this game could be interesting, but yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I'm rolling with Oregon in this one. I will refuse to change my stance on Nebraska unless they make me. I think they are painfully, painfully average. Is this a game that can make you change your opinion? Mm, maybe. It depend, depends. Like, if they went out and just thrashed Oregon, then sure. But if it's a close game, I would still need to see more because I don't really even know what Oregon is yet. So Yeah, I mean, all I, I know these things about Oregon. One, Willie Taggart's a really good football coach. Two... Royce Freeman is still there. He had four touchdowns last week, which is awesome. He's been there forever. And three, I think Justin Herbert might be good. But other than that, yeah, still trying to figure out some stuff with them. Uh, Fun fact, Royce Freeman was actually a true freshman when Penn State played Oregon in the Rose Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, he was there in the sidelines watching Keyjana Carter. Uh, Yeah. Next up, uh, you know, do you want to save the good game for last? Sure. Okay. Uh, then at 8 p.m., Big Ten Network, Champaign, Illinois, Western Kentucky at Illinois. I think Western Kentucky wins this game solely because I don't ever plan on picking Illinois this season, which means we're bringing back the Price is Right. 912 tickets available, Nick. How much are they going to cost? Um, six. Ooh, very close. Four dollars. Ah. Ooh. Man. No, you were, that, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Illinois is going to win another game this year. I'm all right. Let's uh, very quickly go down their schedule. Uh, Western Kentucky, probably not. Loss. And then here's where it gets very bad at USF. Loss. Nebraska. Loss. At Iowa. Loss. Against Rutgers. Defense is good. Loss. At Minnesota. Actually, I could see Minnesota losing that, but loss. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin, 
Loss. At Purdue. Loss. Indiana. Loss. At Ohio State for their tune-up for Michigan. Win. Loss. And then Northwestern. Loss. Yeah, I mean, it's It's hard to be optimistic about Illinois this year. 1-11. Um, 1-11. and, 11. One and, 11. and the, drive, the drive for two. In, in a way, I think 1-11 would be like kind of impressive for them because I, I just don't think this team is very good. Maybe it would be a mercy kill for Lovey. Yeah, maybe. Uh, second to last game we're going to discuss uh, in Corvallis, Minnesota at Oregon State, 10 p.m., FS1. Uh, well, Price is right this, 938 tickets available. Hmm. 12? 11. Good. Ah, I'm so Good close. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw some stuff from uh, Oregon State that left me kind of optimistic. Uh, Jake Lutton threw the ball pretty well in their game against uh, in their game against Colorado State to start the year. I think they probably win this. I think asking PJ Fleck to go out west and win a game that kicks at ten, you know, nine or ten Minnesota time is a bit much. Uh, but this game, yeah, it could get ugly. Gary Anderson's known for making games ugly. I'm yeah, I'll pick Oregon State in this. Yeah, super uninspiring effort from Minnesota against Buffalo. So I agree, Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, and then finally, uh, what should be an absolute certified banger: Oklahoma going to Ohio State in Columbus, seven thirty kick on ABC the night. Slate this weekend is just absolutely ridiculous. There's that. Uh, there's uh, Georgia at Notre Dame, uh, Auburn, Clemson. Like there are just some really good football games this weekend. But oh, Stanford USC. I knew I was forgetting one. That Oklahoma Ohio State game. There are going to be a ton of points in that. Nick, what decides this game? Oklahoma's defense, I think. I, the way I look at it right now, I I'm I know Oklahoma's going to score at least a good amount because Baker Mayfield is good enough to put up points on the Ohio State secondary that didn't uh, was pretty clearly a step down from what they had last year. I'm sure by season's end they'll be um, firing all cylinders, but right now at least it looks like they're still adjusting. But and but on the other side, I don't I don't think Ohio State's going to have any problem scoring, um, even if the deep ball, even if the deep game isn't quite synced up just yet. J.K. Dobbins looked so good in Week One that yeah, he's going to be a problem. I I think they have enough offense, even without the deep ball game, to keep up with Oklahoma and Ohio State's defense is obviously better than the Sooners' defense, so. I think it's just going to come down to whether or not Oklahoma can stop what Ohio State wants to do on offense. Yeah, I. the thing for me is last week we saw that you can move the ball in Ohio State, and there, there is, for my money, there is no quarterback who is better at just moving the ball down the field and you know picking you apart and finding whatever little bit of space you're going to give him than Baker Mayfield. He is awesome at that. And I think he's going to be able to do that against Ohio State. The offensive line for Oklahoma is very good. So it should be a legitimately awesome matchup up front between them and Ohio State's defense. I almost feel like 
this game seems like the kind of game where it's coming down to whatever team has the ball last. Because I think be. I think Oklahoma's going to be able to move the ball and score in Ohio State. Oklahoma's defense, I'm not sold on them exactly. And I think that, you know, Ohio State's offense should be able to move the ball on them. I think JT Barrett and J.K. Dobbs are going to be able to run the ball. And I think J.T. Barrett, as long as you're asking him to make smart passes, you're going to be fine. And I think Ohio State wins this. I think just on the whole, they're a better football team. I'm just not 100% certain in this. I can almost see this game going either way, especially going back to last year when Ohio State went into Norman and just destroyed Oklahoma. I think that weighs on the Sooners' mind, and I think they want to try and you know, get a little bit of revenge and make a statement that they're the kind of team that deserves to be uh, that that deserves to be in the playoff uh, this year. Uh, I agree. I'm sure Oklahoma is going to be hyped up for this game, but I think Ohio State's the better team. Um, yeah, I mean, it just it just comes down to that. I think they're just the better football team right now. I think Oklahoma is worse than they were last year, and while Ohio State is not quite as good as they were last year, at least not yet, I still think the Buckeyes in their current form have a better makeup than the Sooners do right now. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I want to ask you one more question about this game. Hit me. What do you think? Uh, I just had it here. Okay. Ohio State, somewhere between a seven and a seven and a half point favorite, which. Sure, I mean, it's at their place. All these things are going to happen, so fine. What do you think the over-under is? Because I guarantee it's you're going to be a little bit higher than what it actually is. Hmm. Over-under seven. Well, if, you're, if, if you think I'm going to be higher... Well, well, no, no, no. Like, pretend that I... Pretend I didn't say that. Try your best to take oh, okay. that out of whatever decision you make. What do you think the over-under is? should be in this game? I would have said something like 63. Wow. It is 64 and a half. Wow. Yeah. I was, ex- I was expecting this to be higher. Like I can absolutely see this game turning into something of a shootout. So making it... Well, I, I, the only reason I say 63, I think... Like you're, low thirty, you're banking low, on low Ohio State's defense, basically. No, I'm actually I'm actually banking on the fact that both offenses aren't as good as they were last year. Okay. that's what I'm okay. kind of thinking. I about. think that's fair. All right. So yeah, Nick, I think that's it for this week. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you work on a way to say goodbye. I'm going to say goodbye to the folks for the both of us. Thank you for listening to this edition of the podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on all the various platforms the podcast is on. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Overcast. Subscribe, leave us a rating, let us know what we could do better, or just give us five stars. Nick and I have very thin skin. We need your love and support. Follow us on Twitter, at RLRblog. Like us on Facebook. Keep reading, keep supporting the site, keep buying some shirts. And yeah, one more time, thank you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Also, if you he- if you hear our voices in the pod in the podcast fields in the tailgating fields before the game this weekend, come say hi. Someone did that once, and it made our day. It oh, was it was awesome. awesome! It was awesome. Yeah. So one more time, yeah. one more. Nick, are you ready? Yeah. Cool. Bye, everyone.
Bertuzzi.